0: Welcome into episode 66 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and tonight I am happy to be joined by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Uh, we are recording this immediately after Kentucky's overwhelming 81-45 to victory over Moorhead State to open the basketball season. Sean, how are you? Doing well, Jack. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm a little bit more excited, especially tonight after seeing this team for the first time and, and, you know, just all of the expectations and the hype that we've kind of put on this team. Uh, It felt good to have them kind of, you know, back us up on our on some of the the past statements we've made about this team, just how good we think that they can be and and all that. It it felt good to have that, uh, you know, that 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 feeling, I mean, this is a a really freaking good Kentucky basketball team.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It, it's one of the better teams in this kind of part of the Cal era. You know, those first four, five, six years of the Cal era, you were used to seeing, you know, those dominant backcourts and those dominant rosters. And then, you know, for the last three years, they've had good teams, but it didn't feel like they had the stars that this team has. And uh, you got to see that on full display tonight. Uh, They actually made Cal look like a liar for even wanting to push the panic button on Monday when he talked to us. But I mean, I'm, I'm positive they looked horrible on Sunday, but I think a lot of it was due to just fatigue from playing against one another for three or four months now. And I think that they were all excited to, you know, get out there and see somebody else in the gym. So I guess Kentucky essentially popped the bubble for the first time tonight. That's the first time that those guys have been around anyone outside of that staff and people associated with the team. But, Jack, I mean, what, 10 guys played that were on scholarship, 10 healthy scholarship players, uh, which I actually predicted. I said I think all 10 will get minutes. Uh, Dante Allen got in there and got some run, too. I think it was a good night. And I think Cal uh, at least has something now with film to show his guys and he knows a little bit about. But, I mean, I'm sure there's still some question marks that we're waiting to see.
0: Yeah. Well, so going into tonight, I kind of came up with – five questions or five things that i'm personally looking for out of this group and you know that that was kind of going to be my baseline for my expectations moving forward so uh i posted this right before the the game went you know the game tipped off on ksr the five of them were one. How many stars does Kentucky have? Does does this team have the the you know the the playmakers, the overwhelming star talent that a championship team has? I think Calipari. Uh, I think he said last year, midway through. I think it was uh, during SEC play. He said, "I like to have five and six guys with have a game with twenty five points." And I kind of think uh, you know those type of players are of that star caliber you know at least somebody that you could rely on to have an overwhelming scoring display uh you know like that I believe Emmanuel quickly Nick Richards EJ Montgomery Ashton Hagens, and Tyrese Maxey all had that last year obviously Emmanuel quickly or uh, I guess EJ Montgomery wasn't that star um but you know the other four guys you could kind of pick out as okay these are the these are the main guys and 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 you know we kind of had that feeling of that last year's team could potentially win a title going into you know before everything got canceled we had that feeling that last year's team could win a title and they had that uh, that group of 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 25 plus point per game score. So I kind of was hoping that one person would have a 25 point game and everybody else would kind of follow, follow suit. But I'm almost more happy with how things unfolded. I mean, you go down the the box, you know, the box score, you had BJ Boston, 15 points, Devin Askew, 12 points, uh, Terrence Clark, 12 points, Davion Mintz, 10 points, J- Isaiah Jackson and Cameron Fletcher, both with nine, uh, Olivier Sar with eight. I mean, this is, I mean, it, it kind of gives me that same 2014-15 team vibe of not one person is going to go out and score 30 points for you, but everybody is going to contribute. And it's, it's a consistent winning effort from top to bottom.
1: Yeah, actually, that was the point I was going to make, is, you know, you we would like to at some point, and I think we will, see a guy, you know, go for 23 or 24, and then we'll see another guy do it. But I think the key tonight was you got to see the balance across the board. So many guys chipping in, you know, you mentioned four and double figures there, but then there were three that were really close with uh, Cameron mm-hmm. Fletcher and Olivier Saar. And uh, who was the other one that was right there close to double figures?
0: Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson.
1: Isaiah Jackson. And you know, he, if not for those two fouls in the first half, he was kind of off to a really good start too. And that kind of threw off rhythm. And too, Jack, I think that's what was the most impressive to me is they didn't have to throw the ball inside to Olivier Saar to really establish anything tonight. Uh, they, You know, Moorhead State was doubling him and stuff. I thought Saar made some nice plays with patience out of those double teams. And uh, he's a willing passer. I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that stood out for, about him tonight. But he didn't press things. Like, you know, his first game at Kentucky, you know, coming to a place like UK where, you know, you wanna, you want to get drafted, you want to improve your draft stock, that's why he's here. I don't don't think he pressed, even though he didn't score his first basket until the second half. I thought he played within himself, and I think that was the maturity that you want to see from him. Uh, But I I told uh, somebody tonight that overall this backcourt, and I'm I'm going to hold off a few weeks and a few more games. I want to see them play Kansas. I think they're going to be Mm -hmm. tested when they play Richmond. But as far as overall athleticism with this backcourt, with BJ Boston, with Terrence Clark, the length that they have at those spots. I'm not saying it's going to be Cal's best backcourt. I mean, obviously, John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, the Murray-Ulis team, Malik McDermott, but as far as athleticism and the number of things and ways that they can impact games, I think this has potential to be a top three backcourt when it comes to the athleticism factor just because of the length they have. They can impact the game on the defensive end. They They will just mow you down in transition. Like, they'll just fly over top of you just the length they have. Uh, if they show that they can shoot the ball consistently jack i mean that, that backcourt kind of has everything
0: yeah and and that's what made that 2014 15 team so special is that it you know they weren't beating teams by 30 40 points by outscoring them they were beating them you know 60 to 35 they were beating them 72 to to 40 or 30 you know they, they they were just it was an over it was a very very solid it was always a, a very solid offensive performance but just a flat out elite defensive performance and i and I think they're going to obviously be a step behind that 2014-15 group in defense. I mean, Carl Towns, Willie Colleystein Stein, Trey Lyles, Dakari Johnson. I mean, you go through that entire roster and, and I mean, that's just defensive specialists after defensive specialists. You're, you're, I mean, we might not ever see a defensive group as talented as that one, but I would argue they're probably more top heavy offensively in terms of, you know, you know what you're going to get out of BJ Boston, The the way he's just, wired to score he didn't score until uh you know about 11 minutes into the game and he still ended up being the team's leading scorer with 15 on 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 you know efficient 7 of 14 shooting and he went over 0, 0 of 4 from from 3 too so it wasn't like you know he it was he, he was still he still had an efficient in efficient scoring day overall and still didn't have the best shooting day overall if that makes sense you, you know that kind of effort makes me think okay yeah he can be a 20 plus point per game score. Terrence Clark, I thought, had a phenomenal day. I thought that game has is going to leave NBA scouts drooling over his game tape. I mean, it, it, we got to see yeah. him play w- truly one through three. He got time at the point guard position. He got time at the shooting guard position thrived at the three as well uh you know like you said you know very active defensively I believe he finished with three steals um four turnover, four rebounds four assists one turnover so I mean or I guess two tur- two turnovers but overall it was just a dominant dominant effort from the guards and that's kind of it, it all kind of went through the guards you, we talked about Olivier Saar it's almost more impressive that that uk was able to do this without needing olivier sar to be that dynamic scoring thread and the dominant you know rebounder shot blocker you know they 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 didn't it was everything that the front court provided tonight was icing on the cake they won that game you know they could have won that 3 on 5 with just the guards if they really wanted to it was it, it was it's just so nice to have a, a you know a, an icing on the cake front court instead of holy crap we need front-court production like we had with P.J. Washington and no other dynamic, you know, uh, you know big men threat in, in the past. I mean, this team is very guard-oriented, and they're going to outrun teams, they're going to outscore teams, and they're also getting the, do- the, the dominant defensive effort on the other end, which uh, obviously creates a, a, you know, recipe for greatness.
1: And I thought that would be the area where they would struggle some tonight. I thought they would have some breaking breakdowns and pick and roll. They didn't, though. They were active. They were talking. And that was all across the board, all ten guys. I thought that they, they looked the part on that end of the floor, which is the most impressive, Jack, because they haven't had any live game action to, you know, kind of pick apart the defensive side of things. And, you know, these are high school All-Americans that come in that have not played defense in high school. And he's already got them bought in to, you know, playing as a team on that end of the floor. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me from game one, and, yes, I know it's Moorhead State. I, I think Sunday will be a significant step up, and I want to see how they react to when someone punches them in the mouth. But we, I think we knew that Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Olivier Sarr, Isaiah Jackson, I think we knew all these guys were going to be good, and they all stood out to me. But my biggest takeaway is Devin Askew, Davion Mintz, Cameron Fletcher, I think they're better than what we thought they were going to be, if that makes sense. Like, I think mm-hmm. we knew that they obviously had potential to help, but Cameron Fletcher is kind of the story tonight. I mean, there's columns being written about Cameron Fletcher after game one that I don't think any of us really expected, and probably Cal didn't expect to be written, uh, but I like his scrappiness. I like his willingness to, you know, get dirty. For Kentucky, I think that that's something that Cal likes, and that's going to earn him minutes. Uh, The play when he was on defense and, you know, dove on the floor and got the loose ball, hustling for offense, rebounds. He knocked down some shots. I think that's the bigger story for me tonight is I feel like this team's a lot deeper. We knew that they had numbers, but was it going to be numbers that could contribute? Now, Sunday will tell us a little more, and Tuesday will tell us a lot. But I'm starting to think, Jack, that this is the Kentucky and I think that they'll, really, that they'll feel really good about it at least Aeon where getting back into the bowl and possibly not as some.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at Cameron Fletcher. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet or not, but uh, the, I was looking at the advanced analytics. You could see on the the stat broadcast. It shows the advanced you know, defensive numbers, advanced offensive numbers. Cameron Fletcher led the team with 7.4 net points overall. Um, you know, he produced 10.9 points on offense and gave up 3.5 points on defense. The next closest on the team was Davion Mintz at 6.6 net points. So he was almost a full a, a full net point over everybody else on, on the roster. I mean, Cameron Fletcher, he did – what I don't think anybody expected him to. I mean, he, I mean, he he literally was the the two way three and D type player that Khalil Whitney was probably supposed to be last year. It, it's kind of crazy how he provided, uh, you know, he provided more of a single game impact in his debut at Kentucky than I would argue Khalil Whitney had in his entire career last year even I mean, I'm, it was it was half of half of a season but you get what I'm saying
1: well we spent a large portion of last week's podcast talking about Fletcher and his willingness to be patient and kind of buy into his role and wait for his time well I think tonight he showed that he's willing to play his role Jack it was all the things that you mentioned there you know knocking down shots which he did I think he shot 40 percent from the three-point line for a senior high school if I if I'm not mistaken yeah. I think I looked I was looking at those numbers earlier, but I really like him. I think that there's a spot if – you, if you're if you tough and you have a willingness to fight, there's a spot for you on John Calipari's teams, regardless of how talented you are. If you're not the highest-ranked kid, as long as you will fight, you will find minutes. And I think that we saw that tonight, that this kid does not care to fight. And I think that was encouraging to see. Uh, just across the board, I just like everything – about this team, honestly. I think the one question that I have right now is, how will they react when someone punches them in the mouth? I think you still want to see the physicality side from this team. Uh, we, You know, you don't really get to see that in a game like tonight where they really weren't tested at all from the, the opening tip. I think that that's something that I, ho- I think Cal is hoping to see at some point Sunday is, you know, does Richmond punch them in the mouth? Who responds? Who folds? Because you know it's going to happen Tuesday night and Indy when they play Kansas, that that game is going to be blow for blow. And I think that that's something that we all want to see that we didn't get to see tonight is, you know, who runs from it, who stands up and puts their arms up ready to fight. And I think this team has some guys that will emerge when it comes to
0: that. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of my biggest, you know, pet peeves last year with with the uh, you know the twenty nineteen twenty team is that they you know so many times would establish it you know they'd get they'd get up by fifteen twenty points they'd get a solid lead and then they'd coast the rest of the way and you know on a, on several occasions they would give up give up that lead and you know on more than more than one case they would lose and that was that was you know easily the most frustrating part of. of of last year and and that was one thing that I was kind of keeping a close eye on with this one thinking okay it's Moorhead State who is a you know let's be totally honest they're not a great team they didn't look all that great they weren't physically overwhelming anybody they weren't athletically dominant you know they they didn't they didn't look the part of a of a serious challenger uh for for Kentucky but we all, you know, this is the same the same Kentucky program that lost to Evansville last year who, is, you know, who lost every single conference game they had to close out last season. So it's not even about the competition. It's more so about how they respond and how they're willing to, you know, deal with adversity and, you know, keep their foot on the gas. Or, or, or were they willing to keep things going, keep, you know, responding and and throwing haymakers of their own instead of allowing them to get punched, Uh, you know, letting their guard down and coasting for the, for the second half. They expanded, they, they got by up by as much as 20 points in the first half, expanded that to, you know, 30 rather quickly in the second half. And then, that grew all the way to 39 points late in the second half. So this was a consistent blow for blow dominant effort on both ends of the, on both ends of the floor. They were not willing to back down at all. They weren't willing to slow down. They put their foot on the gas and kept it there. And uh, you know, that, I think that's easily the the, the best and, 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 you know, brightest takeaway, at least in my opinion, um, you know, for a group as young as they are, zero returnees from last year's rotation playing tonight i mean with all the the different factors and variables that come into play here uh you know the fact that they were able to respond and just keep fighting keep you know keep their not let their guard down keep the foot on the gas and you know win win as overwhelmingly as they did uh, i mean it was definitely something that that made me kind of go all right well maybe this could be the the special team that we kind of think they could be
1: uh, I was – with the minutes with Devin Askew and Davion Mintz, what was the differential in minutes played between those two?
0: Um, Devin Askew played 27 minutes and uh, Davion Mintz played 17. So, pretty overwhelming, you know, overwhelmingly in, in favor of, of Askew. I mean, he was he was the, the hands-down starter tonight tonight. And I think what uh, it, was, it was, Terrence Clark said during the post game interviews. He said uh, we're very happy with our starting point guard, Devin Askew, yeah. and we we are we're very pleased with our backup point guard and Davion Mintz. So it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like that's pretty pretty solidified at this point.
1: It, that's what I was going to say too. And I think a lot of it. I think Cal knows what he has in Mintz. I think Cal. I think Mintz is one of the guys. Probably Cal might trust the most honestly right now. But I think Cal also knows that if this team is going to reach its potential, uh, Devin Askew is going to be the point guard when it comes down to February, March, and those games late in the season, and the NCAA tournament. That's that's the, the read that I got on that is that's why Cal's given Askew some of those extra minutes there. And you know, and Askew he made some turnovers, uh, but I thought he done some really good things. We we know he can shoot the ball. We saw that tonight. I thought he made some really nice plays. When you play a point guard position, you're going to commit some turnovers because the ball's in your hands a lot. Uh, but for a first game, for a kid that could be a senior in high school right now, I thought he done very well. And I thought that there was a lot to like. And same thing about Mintz's game, too. The ball looks good out of his hands. Uh, we didn't get to see them for a stretch play together, so at least we know that that's a look that Cal's going to throw out there some. Uh, overall, though, Jack just, a really good night for a team that got an odd preseason with no exhibition games, and now they jump right into a game on Sunday versus Richmond that you know has all five starters back and is a team that was picked to go to the incident NCAA tournament in a normal year. And we'll just have to wait and see exactly what happens with this year. But this is a good Richmond team that's coming into Rupp Arena Sunday. And I'm, I'm sure Cal would have liked to have had the game with Detroit Friday to have another game before that yeah. one. But he's going to find out a lot about his team Sunday, in my opinion. It's going to be a significant step up when it comes to competition and the team that's going to execute at a very high clip on the offensive end of the floor.
0: Yeah, I'll touch on the, the ask you and, and mince thing real quick, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Um, it, it does feel like the they complement the other pieces around them in these roles – much better than if they were reversed, if that makes sense. Devin Askew definitely feels like the better facilitator, the guy with the, you know, the, the better floor general. And I think he fits better alongside two dynamic scoring guards and B.J. Boston and, and Terrence Clark. And, you know, also, you know, adds that, that factor with Isaiah Jackson, you know, with lobs and, and you know, feeding Olivier Saar on the post. He just feels like the better floor general point guard. Whereas Davion Mintz, I believe – You know, has I think his role as that spark plug off the bench, immediate impact scorer who can also help with that that bench, um, you know that bench unit kind of provide that spark spark plug. Okay, yeah, you know we need we need a a high scoring threat coming in the game right now. We need somebody to kind of give us some juice off the bench. Uh, You know, he kind of feels like that perfect six man just high energy, high, high profile scoring guard that, that could, that, that we see so, so often coming off the bench. Okay. Yeah. We got the, the, the starters, we have them in check. And then they get some random you know backup come in and, and lights UK up for 15, 20 points. It, he feels like that type of guy. And, and I think it's so exciting on, on our end for a change to have, that a guy as talented as Davion Mintz and with so much college experience and play he's played in two NCAA tournaments one NIT three Big East tournaments a, a dude with as much experience as he has at the college level not needing him to come in and be one of Kentucky's star players from day one he can you know kind of ease his way in be the be the sixth man and, and provide that scoring punch um, you know when they need one I mean, it's it just it's just from top to bottom, like you said, just so much to like about this roster, so much to like about how they played tonight, how they put you know kept their foot on the gas, dominated from start to finish. Um, I mean, it, it just obviously there's a lot to look forward to. Richmond is going to be one hell of a test on Sunday, and then the biggest test is going to be Kansas on Tuesday. And I think that's going to be the the, the big kind of measuring stick about, okay, just how good can this team – right now, we know that this team is very good. Yeah. Can, can they be great? Can they be elite? Can Is this a true national title contender? I think we will learn that a little bit more, not all the way yet, but a little bit more on Sunday – and then on tuesday when when kentucky heads to indianapolis and plays kansas and you know under the bright lights of, of the champions classic that is going to be the big time indicator of okay it kind of kind of similar to that undefeated 20 you know 2014 15 team that first it was that champions classic when when you know uk just went out there and and blew them out by 20-plus points, and everybody was like, whoa, okay. This team is exactly what we have hyped them up to be. I think that's going to be the best indicator we'll have early on in the season. And um, it's definitely one that I'm looking forward to, Sean.
1: I am too. And one more thing on Mintz. Uh, I'm confident that Mintz and Keon Brooks, when he's healthy, will be six seven in, in no particular order. Uh, just depending on where they have a need off the bench, I do think that Keon's going to come off the bench, uh, given the way seasons are already started. said, uh, Jack's at the four, That's not a bad thing. If you have two experienced players coming off the bench, I think they'll be six, seven. I think the biggest question will be Jack is who's eight. Uh, I'm not going to stretch out to nine yet because I think it's more likely that that at some point Cal kind of shrinks this thing down to an eight-man rotation. You may see that sooner rather than later. But if they do get to nine, then this team is going to be very uh, – we saw Cameron Fletcher at nine. Uh, we, we know you're going to have looks where yeah. – I think is he gets more experience or just more reps under him and stuff and some confidence. You might see him uh, move in there some too. So it's going to be interesting when Keon comes back and they've got seven.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and we we started losing you there for just a second. We are uh, <laughs> we're recording this. I am up in the the rafters of Rupp Arena right now. Sean is driving back home to to Chicago for Thanksgiving. So we are we are taking one for the team, trying to get this get uh, this podcast out there for the fans to enjoy uh, as they you know either go to bed you know leading up to Thanksgiving night or wake up as they're doing you know. Cooking for their family, whatever the case is, uh, we just wanted to get this out there as as a quick little you know post game reaction of Kentucky's first game. We really appreciate our listeners once again for joining us. Um, you know this is a lot of fun. We enjoy doing this, and we're thankful. In and in a season of of giving thanks and a year of so much uncertainty and pessimism and just you know all the craziness that's going on we're thankful for all of our listeners and you know we're thankful Sean I'm thankful for you to you know join join us kind of mid-year mid uh you know mid-week we kind of said hey Sean we have this opportunity for you we'd love for you to join us on this show uh can you make this work and you're you're making it work so the the fans are grateful for it and uh, I certainly am as well.
1: Yeah, I'm thankful for you, too, and for this opportunity. I'm sorry about the cell phone reception. (laughs) I'm just outside Indianapolis right now. Like I said, I was at the game with you earlier. I left as soon as it was over uh, so we could get to uh, Chicago and spend Thanksgiving with Keeley's family. It's just going to be five of us. It's going to be Keeley's parents and her sister. Uh, Kind of excited to, you know, spend a couple of days with family and just kind of relax and then get back at this thing on Sunday.
0: Absolutely. And we will, uh, ha, you know, hopefully have yet another post-game reaction after that. And uh, we, yeah, we're, we're going to keep this thing going as it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully we keep having fun post-game opportunities with dominant wins uh, in the very near future, especially these next couple ones when, this, when the schedule gets significantly more challenging. All right, Sean, well, we, uh, we'll get out of here on this one. Where can fans find your work?
1: You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Thank you, everyone. Uh, enjoy your time with your family. Stay safe, and uh, we will be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Safe podcast. We will see you then.